Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another great episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your team. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar faces of Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and alongside him, Scott, the big guy Ferrara. You know these two gentlemen, but the next one to introduce over to my shoulder, we got Larry Monks all the way from Houston, and he is in fact the announcer at the Sabercats. So we are privileged to be able to have another announcer on the show, although I have the mic here. Yeah, Larry. <laughs> but Larry, you know, it's, uh, it's all yours. <laughs> you know, uh, Larry, it's been uh, wonderful because uh, to be able to bring you back to the show, in fact, you were on one of our earlier episodes. In fact, I think that might have been episode two. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, yeah well, right, right in the beginning. Yep. So it's an honor to be able to have you back. Obviously, you enjoyed what we did. So uh, you're back. <laughs> and we enjoyed what you did. So that's why you're back. But never So here we are to be able to share more points about Major League Rugby. And in particular, we have dedicated this entire episode to be able to talk about the league as a whole, the state of the nation, so to speak. Where is the good the bad, and the questionable when it comes to Major League Rugby. And these gentlemen, as you know, are going to battle it out for top honors to be able to find out who is the winner of this round. They need to put forth their best points. And to do so, they're each given two minutes to be able to rant about the good. And we'll do one round around the table, gentlemen. And of course, we'll continue forward then onto the next and until the next. So this will be made up of three rounds and winner takes all. And to be able to start it off, in fact, I'm going to randomize it uh, over here. I think I usually start with Rob because somehow he always ends up in the top right-hand corner. So let's throw it over <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to Scott and let's hear what he's got to be able to open it up. Your two minutes. Start now with the good about the MLR. All right, baby. Let's get hot. So the good. I'm, I'm taking a, a pinpoint in time right now. I'm taking, I'm taking a, a, a fact right now that's happening. Season tickets are available for certain clubs. Today, it's uh, Thursday, the 22nd. I just received a letter in the mail from Rooney thanking me for being a 2020 season ticket holder, even though I didn't get to see a, a, a home match. Um, encouraging me, uh, after I think after the holiday season, their 2021 ticket package is coming out. They let me know. I know um, Houston, Larry's team, sending out their season ticket packages already. I know that the Seawolves have sent out their renewal forms for their season ticket packages, and people have been complaining because they can't, they're hitting the forget password link, and it's not working. That's <laughs> all good. It's all good. The teams are expecting to have a season. The teams are expecting the season ticket holders to show up. They're selling them now before the holidays, before 2021. They're, pu- they're putting it on the, the fans to say, support us now. We, we, we did what we had to do in 2020. We need the financial support now. We want you as a season ticket holder. We need you as a season ticket holder. We respect you as a season ticket holder. Here are the packages and help us out. That's about it, baby. 
Right. And in regards to those packages, you have to imagine that they're making pretty, you know, pretty great incentives. Uh, the packages themselves are very reasonably priced. But I did all have to say, I happened to be able to see from Rooney. I, I, was it you that posted the picture? It probably was. But there was some a little extra inside that package. Yeah, my boy Butch sent me a uh, signed hat, which is always nice, you know. Yeah. So just for the record, everybody gets that, right? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I believe every season. I'm going to get holder. season tickets. No, yeah. no, I, I think we were just talking about uh, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Either or, as long as I. That's what I was saying. Package. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah, I believe break. I believe that package. Yeah, and that letter was sent to every season ticket holder from 2020. Cool. I mean, talk about the extra touch, right? So, okay, great. You you were excited about 2020 rugby. Hey, you didn't get to see a home game in in Rooney and Free Jacks, Toronto. All right, you know what? Uh, let's look at next season. So we've got the, the schedule start date, should I say. We don't have the schedule just yet. I mean, we can understand that that's going to be coming shortly. But people are excited. People are happy. They're given the opportunity to be able to buy their tickets. Rob, I know that this is, was an important point for you. You brought up that you had a game ticket locked and loaded to be able to go down to your favorite uh, side in NOLA, and you had to be able to just move it on to the next year. And I'm sh- assuming – those people that were involved for last season with season ticket holders will do the same again next season. So why not get involved and get some of that revenue generated a little bit earlier with the ramp up still to go into next season. It's a great way to be able to get started. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Noah's jumping on that too. Um, I know that Benji uh, has really been pushing the season tickets coming out of right. NOLA. Section 113, um, right? 113, that's right. And, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, ATL and uh, NOLA's academy teams are playing tonight. And I know there's a lot of folks that are on the right. sidelines that are looking to, to buy the season tickets. So it's pretty exciting. I think that's a great point, Scott. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's a sign of build the culture right now. You know, the unique thing about in the situation where we are is that while there is no play, there's an incredible amount of time to build up to next league. So arguably so, there's never been a better position going into another season than it is right now with the time they have available and by doing things like Scott had said. So let's move it over to Larry. Let's hear what you good things you got to share about Major League Rugby. Well, I'm going to pick off first from Scott on the season tickets because the Sabercats are expecting more season ticket buyers than ever before. Of course, we're going into Aviva Stadium again, uh, technically the third year, uh, even though it's more like the second and a half year because of COVID. (laughs) So we're looking forward to that. And, you know, attendance is really what is needed more than anything else for a majority of reasons. Okay, one, that's the primary income. Okay, right Right. now is season tickets. Okay, then once we get that, once we have those season tickets in, of course, that's going to bring in more people to come on into the stadium with the season ticket holders. That's just going to drive people to want to come. Now, when you have a stadium that's 90 percent to 100 percent full, that just warms up advertisers big time. They like that. And that's the next thing we need in order to build it up. But I was real happy. uh, Killebrew. Uh, came out with a video just a few days ago, and I thought it was fantastic. One, his background, okay, from where he comes. He knows big-time professional sports, okay? He's coming into a fledgling league. Yes, we are. And I think that uh, with his background and his foresight, he's able to see what it is that's going to attract the American audience. Okay, now we all know, I'm sure many of us have been to rugby matches uh, over in Ireland or England, it's a little bit different over there. The American Sorry. athletic, the American pro athletic viewer, though, has a certain 
uh, expectation. And I think the MLR is coming to meet that and is doing it very well. Um, I got to tell you, with the Sabercats, we were taken down and we were given tickets to go watch a Houston Rockets game just to really follow their whole process. We went back. We met a lot of the staff and the production staff because we need to see how we're going to make it not just a wonderful thing for uh, the Americans. You know means, all, I know. But <laughs> we also need to make it good for the, uh, the non-rugby American audience. So I'm done. And we're doing that. MLR is doing that. So, okay. So I'm going to, to take a moment to be able to rewind on a few of those. One, the yeah. tickets. Okay. Excellent. You hit a fantastic point is sponsors love to be able to see full stadiums. They love to be able to see it at 80, 90%. However, let's look at the the reality of where we are right now under the current conditions. If it persists and still the sentiment, will people still be flocking to the stadiums as they once had? We don't know. Only time will tell. But we have to imagine that it's going to be a little bit of reluctancy, at least from a certain percentage of those rugby goers. So is 80, 90% feasible? We would love to say so if it was last year, absolutely. Next year, nobody knows, right? Even for those that are successful in doing so, it's a matter of opinion. It's a personal choice. Some people may choose to stay away because they're not comfortable with that, and that's okay. That's their choice. However, rugby clubs, rugby teams have to account for that factor. So season tickets is a great way to be able to identify, hey, what's the uptake? Do we have 100% of what we had last year in comparison? Are we at 110 or are we at 50% of sales by a certain date? I'd love to be able to recognize, okay, do they have that in mind? Because let's imagine that if they get down to January and they're only at 50% of their sales that they had the year before leading into the season, well, then you might be asking yourself, can we expect the same from general admission? Can we accept the, expect the same from the suites? If so, we need to change our plan. We need to recognize budgets need to adjust. So that was my first point there. In fact, you know what? Let's let's throw it back to Larry in that regard. What is your thought in that, in, for that comment and that, for that reasoning in mind? Well, I have to tell you, first thing, and you'll see this if you go to the Sabercats website on what they're doing for protection, okay? They've already hired uh, someone to come out and actually do all the spraying of the stadium and so I forth. I saw that promo video, actually. They got one of the guys who was doing the work to do it. He looked so awkward, but I loved that anyways. I tell you what, man. It's great. And so that's a good thing. Okay. The other thing is we really do foresee some positivity coming on where things are going to be loosening up a little bit. Right. We've offered a wonderful, the Sabercats, we've offered a wonderful package for season tickets where when you just see the price and what's there, you got to go for it. Okay. It's, right. it's worth it. And also now reaching back out to the clubs. Remember we have seven men's clubs in the greater Houston area. And so we reach out to each of them, of course, focusing on the Houston ones and doing that and easing things with them, holding on to good relationships with them to encourage them. Listen, you want to have rugby promoted for you. Help us, we'll help you. And in turn, by the way, that's exactly what is going on with the offering of Sabercat players going out, working with their youth programs, because right. most of the men's programs do have um, youth or high school programs. The Hi, one I got yes, yeah, to I want to interrupt real quick. Very important question. Do you get commission on tickets sold? Because that was a really good uh, uh, spiel there you had. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you something, man. I don't get a spiel at all. I just like announcing to a full stadium. 
Yeah. Well, there's a joy in that because I can tell you uh, it's no fun when no one else is around there to enjoy it with you, right? So hopefully Absolutely. things do go in the direction that we all hope they do. And if not, the rugby community is very strong and we'll find a way to be able to band together and make it work somehow, right? Because there are so many passionate people that it will make it happen. And the second part of what you had said earlier is the fact that, you know, uh, full stadiums. So we recently had the opportunity to talk with Alex Magleby, and he had an important point that I think resonates across uh, this whole screen with everybody here, is that, you know, we're not talking about rugby businesses. They need to identify that there are entertainment, sports entertainment businesses. So it's the whole package. It's the game day experience. It's everything. And Sabercats has already been improving upon year on year in that regard, likewise for many other great clubs. Now, let's hand the floor over to Rob. Rob, what have you got to share? So my good are the academy systems, and I'm looking at this in two ways. Number one, uh, two teams have already developed academy systems that are tied to USAR's uh, HPP, so the uh, high-performance pathways. You got New England Free Jacks. Again, we talked to Alex Magleby earlier in the week, and he talked about their system. It's really unique, and it's a really cool system if you right. haven't seen it, check it out. San Diego Legion have done the same thing. They have an HPP program. And then the other MLR teams have been pretty quick to develop academies. Of course, Larry uh, is well um, well known and well affiliated with uh, Rugby HTX down there in Houston, the Rugby 404, NOLA. Both of them are actually playing as they just finished the game um, just a couple of moments ago um, down there in, at Gretna Park in NOLA. Um, the Warriors Academy was just uh, announced this week. As a matter of fact, I had the pleasure of, of um, uh, watching Brandon Sparks uh, Chris Latham, the head coach, and Owen Power, who's the president of Utah Youth Rugby, all talk about their their system. And it was pretty cool because they were taking uh, questions. And one of the questions I asked about was the cost. I mean, that's a concern for some of your uh, players that don't come from a lot of means. You know, are we going to outprice the talent? And they were real clear about making sure that they wanted to keep their costs low for those players. So I've really been ha- I've really been pleased to see the the academies developed. And I think a lot of those teams that I just mentioned that have academies will develop them into HPPs as they move forward. I know HTX has, has plans to do so. We haven't seen much um, from Seattle, Austin. Um, but I'm sure they're not far behind. And then Dallas and L.A., as they mature and develop over the next year, will also develop them too. So that's my good. Yeah, and that was good. I mean, two things that I brought out of that was development, 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 and then also keeping the costs reasonable yeah. for not only people to participate, but to also host these programs because it's twofold, right? Um, so excellent points. So really, Major League Rugby, and we circle back around to this very often, but it is important. A lot of people may look at Major League Rugby certainly as the ambassador for the rugby in North America as a whole, but it's not necessarily the responsibility to grow rugby. They are a business first. But man, when they are doing things like this, you can certainly see that it is important to them to develop local talent, to be able to provide a platform for players to be able to reach even higher levels and to be able to have USA players, instead of looking traditionally overseas, to stay at home, continue applying their trade year and share what they've got with the next generation, which guys like Larry, I know you're involved. Of course, Grant Cole down there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a shout out to Rugby HTX and the list could go on. So development, Great point. MLR, certainly an ambassador in that regard. The costings, keeping it low, keeping it reasonable, because what we don't want is for it to become an expensive sport like any other, right? So to that point, what are some of the things that are happening, Rob? 
Uh, well, uh, what, again, going back to, to Alex, uh, he talked about the fact that they're doing a lot of stuff online, especially during COVID and things are, things are, restrictions are a lot tighter up in, in the Northeast as Scott uh, can certainly attest yeah. to. So the fact that they're continuing to do that development, doing it online, it's a cost savings for the program and the club, but it's also a cost savings that's passed along to some of the participants as well. So that's really interesting to see. Um, you know, Toronto just announced their pathway program as well. I don't want to leave them out and old glory and the rugby academy it's going to be uh, 16 to 18 but i'm sure that we're going to see an academy program that's going to be uh, you know college age and 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 uh u23 so those are some of the the really big things that are coming out um but i was uh, i was so happy to see and pleased to see that all the teams are getting involved in this piece and they're all uh making it a part of what they do because again one of the things that alex harped upon is the fact that when you develop these players, guess what? They drag their moms, their dads, their aunts, right. their grandmas, and their grandpas and out to see the games of the major league players. Bring everybody you know. Bring the dog, the cat, everybody, as long as they can buy a ticket, right? right. But, you know, to that point, again, the Utah Selects, um, another great opportunity to be able to culture their, uh, uh, younger players. They hosted games at Zion Bank Stadium for only five bucks a ticket. Yeah. I mean, how reasonable is that? So, yes, anybody who's got five bucks to be able to watch some quality rugby and support their friends and family. So, you know, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to see more of that. Uh, certainly going into next year, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that they could be using a lot of these existing structures to be able to test the metal for the uh, for the professional sides at MLR senior level, because they might not necessarily want to be able to travel as much. They might not necessarily want to be able to play all of those preseason games. So if you've got local talent you can draw from, teams that are existing, teams that are developing, why not use that and consider uh, uh, playing a little bit closer to home if conditions tend to go the same way as they are now? So, gentlemen, I think those are some really great points. Let's take an opportunity to be able to take a break and hear a little bit more from one of our sponsors, and we'll be back talking about the bad in the MLR shortly. And we're back, rugby fans. Again, you are watching the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, and welcome to this episode where we are tackling the tough topics here one more time about Major League Rugby, the good, the bad, and the questionable. But we are now in round two and a quick reminder is that each of these gentlemen had two minutes to be able to rant about on this case the bad and on this occasion we hand it over to rob to start us off so rob let us know you got two minutes okay my bad is the cantaloupe bit i'm not saying that the idea of a hawaiian team was bad I, i think we've all talked about how much we love the idea it sounds so awesome and i think the goal and the vision that they had was incredible um it's how it shook out Right. And one of my things that I'm most concerned with, and I said this early on, I spotlighted it early on, is that the what it made it appear is that the MLR does not have a transparent and articulate uh, bidding pathway for expansion teams. Right. We saw teams like Rooney, Toronto, um, the Free Jacks, OG, Rattle. All those teams went through a similar process. They had a um, they had a year of an exhibition season, and then they put boots on the ground the year after, where they were actually participating in a full fledged season. That kind of pathway was not followed by Canaloa, and I think that exacerbated some of the problems that revolved around the Canaloa bid. Not to mention the fact that I think they they tried to do it too soon. Uh, if they would have had a a pathway, a bidding process, a model that was forced them 
on them to use. I think it would have been much better off because then they wouldn't have gotten too much too soon. They would have had an exhibition season and they could have worked out some of the finer points as they developed. Um, and so uh, that's my bat. And um, we, we know that future franchises are rumored to be out there like Chicago and notice I, we haven't heard much from Chicago. And I think the reason is, is they learned the lessons from Canaloa. Right. Fair point. So let me just circle back around to it and try and pinpoint the most important part of it is what you're saying is it's not the Canaloa part that you're complaining about. It's really like a prevention rather than cure type thing is that if you had a clear expectation that was set and everybody knew, hey, going into this, here are the benchmarks before you decide to go down this road look at it objectively and ask yourself, can we achieve this in the allotted time? Is this feasible? And if you believe that it's certainly 100%, you cannot achieve everything, or at least even some of it is iffy, well, then maybe don't go down that road this year, but present it for next year. Do an exhibition season, right? You've got plenty of opportunity to play rugby before you even uh, join the league. As you said, with that, with the expansion teams have done in the past, so why not? Okay, lay it down. Here's what's worked in the past. Here's what we think we can work on for the future and share it with everybody. Um, So uh, would you say that that process should be shared with only those that are going to engage in that process? Or should that be information that is shared with fans? I think it should be information that's shared with fans. And then we know what the expectations are. And even if a team wants to go ahead and release some information like Canelo chose to do on the LR rant uh, when we were branded that way, um, uh, then that's okay. Everybody knows what the process is and they know where they're at in the process and they don't set the expectation bar too high. It's almost as if you're embarking upon a very similar uh, scenario would be if you were bidding to be a host of the Rugby World Cup. There is a clear expectation and guidelines that are set forth. And for the most part, public who want to know more about it have the ability to know more about it because it is shared through World Rugby. These are the benchmarks. We've done it this way before. This is our expectation for the next host city. Um, so, yeah, or host country, should I say. So, yes, needs to be mapped out a little bit more clearly and also be a little bit more yeah. um, transparent, I suppose, with the right. fans so they feel that they're in the know. All and, right. it, and it's just a growing pains of a, of a fledgling league, but it's right. something they, they should learn from this. And But by season four, you, you've you learned a lot of lessons already. Yeah. What you're saying is just share what you've already learned. Right. You know? right. And I think that that's reasonable. Scott, let's hear what you've got. Well, I think we're still cooking with fire here. And um, my, my bad is public opinion. Um, I, I see it whether it's people still complaining about the Guillotini's name and, and hammering it and hammering it and how could you do it? It's done. Whether they change their name or not is their business. You do not have to be a fan of the Guillotini's. But just to harp on the name constantly is kind of ridiculous. They're putting a team together. They're putting a team on the field. We already know they've signed a few guys. We already know that they've signed a bunch of guys behind the scenes and just haven't announced it yet. We know that they're finally starting to, to get out of that funk. And I think part of what people don't realize is in some of these ownership groups, some of these guys who work in the group for the team aren't in the country. You know, if, if I was an ownership group from New Zealand and I had my own social media guy and I went to bring him in, he's in New Zealand. If, if I want to go look for stadiums, the guy I might have prospecting that might be stuck in Australia, might be stuck in, in, in whatever country they're in because of COVID. So I think you have to realize some of these ownership groups who aren't based in the United States or Canada are having a hard time 
putting some of their stuff out there because their people are not actually based in the United States yet because of COVID. But also just public opinion in general. I just there seems to be so much hate sometimes with the MR MLR. And I'm not saying there's good natured fun. You know, come on. I make fun of the free jacks. I made fun of the free jacks in front of in front of McElby. Um and been there. It's, it, it, yeah, right? yeah, and I got and I I took it I take it right back and it's all in good fun and there's respect and I'm I can't wait for them to have their first home match. I'm excited, even if it's not against Rudy, I'm excited for them to see it. But right. just just the, the you know the again, the articles that come out, there's vitriol and this and that and who hates who. Just be happy we have this professional rugby league in the United States right now that is in operation, that has 13 teams that are fielding teams that hopefully in 2021 are going to going to cross state lines and play some rugby in 2021. Just be happy about that. They do that in the premiership. I've seen it a lot in, in fan groups in the premiership. As soon as somebody starts talking negatively, like directly negatively, not just, you know, in jest, but strictly negatively about another team, they get one warning. And if they do it again, they get banned from a group because it's just Only not about right. a warning. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Listen, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I left my card over here, so I had to exit the scene. But, but I also, I also, I also, I also like how the sir, the sir walked off the field, didn't give me a warning, and then showed me the cheat. <laughs> didn't give you the warning. The rest was not his you just were lost in your own cards, man. He, 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 he walked too. off the field to take a couple shots of whiskey, apparently, because he Larry, didn't even bring his own equipment. Larry, did you see the warning? <laughs> I, I, I saw, saw the warning. Yeah, that, first yeah. of all, look at Larry's smile. That's full of shit. For, for, for those of you that cannot see, I am raised in the yellow. All right. I don't know what you're talking about. So there's about. a lot to unpack there. So basically, you're angry about angry people. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's it's vitriol for, for what I right. perceive is no reason. Right. And just be happy. If you don't like a team, do you don't have to support them. But to be a vocal opponent and this, let them feel the team in play. Because you have 40 guys on a roster that signed up to play for that team. Some of them are Eagles. Some of them are former Eagles. Some of them could be future Eagles. Some of them have come to the tail end of their career. And they're, as Ben Foden said in his Rugby Pass article, they want to come to the United States on the tail end of the career and bang the rugby drum to make rugby good in America. Right. Why, why are you stifling that? So I agree 100%. And I'm sure everybody here on the show feels the same way. Never any argument there, but I do recognize there are the, those people out there who are like the Debbie Downer when it comes to the Guiltinis. And, and you know, to that point, they also existed once upon a time against the Gil, uh, Gilgronis, right? So really, once you field a team, what matters most? Rugby, right? So focus on that. You got a professional organization that's willing to be able to field a team in your city, bringing professional uh, major league rugby to your town. Why shouldn't you get behind that? Because every one of the players that are there is who you're supporting just as much as it is the team. So yes, I recognize that is a bad thing. And hopefully that attitude will change because if rugby is to grow as a whole in North America, it starts by having the right attitude. And and maybe maybe some of the frustration that they're experiencing because I, I I feel what you're saying, Scott. Maybe some of the frustration is a spillover the fact from the fact that they're you know those LA fans that want to be fans 
are starved for information, right? And so That's they're true. getting frustrated about being starved for information. And so they take it out on the team name. If, you know, perhaps they'd trip. Because it's the only thing they've got to talk about right now. Right. There is right. merit in saying that there, right. Rob. That's a good point there. But you know what? We need to be able to make sure we swing it over to Larry to hear what he's got to, to share with us. So, Larry, your two minutes starts now. Go ahead. All right. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you for getting it off of the Giltinis to the AGs. Gil <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gronies. You know, you know, Gil Grony. Hey, there you, oh, there there you, you go. go. Look, there he is. Yeah. Hey, by the way, our third team in Texas. And here I am supposed to be talking about the negative, but it's really tough. You know, when I was watching uh, Kilbrew's um, video, I noticed there were some people who complained because he used a very old saying that we've been saying for, gosh, over 30, 40 years here in the United States, that we are the sleeping giant. And some people really ragged on him for that. Well, look, here's somebody who's done more in professional sports than probably anybody who's ever saying anything negative. So I'm going to go off that negativity. But I'm going to take that negativity that you spoke of, Scott, and I'm going to bring it down to the local clubs. Guys, we are a niche sport in the United States. Those of us who are American and play the sport, we were introduced to it at a later age. But the thing is, there's a love, there's a passion, there's all that. So when I see clubs speaking negatively of the MLR, that is something that really caps me. I can't stand that. I don't like hearing that because we're the ones that they are primarily depending on to get out there and support. Once again, when we get people supporting them, the local clubs, that's just going to turn around to the American audience that wants the high entertainment. I'm sorry, American audiences, we love, what is it, UFC, pound them, blood, guts, all that kind of thing. That's where rugby's going to take off. But we have to make sure that we keep it positive to follow up with Scott on here in the clubs. And if we can't do that, then I'm afraid, then uh, we're asking not to have rugby grow. So that's it. And I'm at 10 seconds. So, okay, so I agree with you completely. And there's, you know, uh, Rob has definitely spoken about this in Chicago, and I'm sure that it would be the same for another city. There's that tribalism, right? Uh, The rugby community is unfortunately quite separated, and geographically there's massive amounts of land between them. So all they've got to be able to draw upon in their rivalry is they fight amongst themselves, right? Because there isn't city to city. It's inside the same city. It's inside the same organizations, um, that, you know, whereas you see the same thing in the UK, but where you could drive 15 minutes, but it's another town with another identity, with another team, another professional team. Here in the US, you're only breaking each other down by doing that. You're not building each other up. So I definitely recognize that point. But perhaps, just perhaps, if I put myself in their position and I had seen pro rugby fail, I had seen USA rugby drama again and different iterations of it again and again through my 30 years of service to the, to the game and see failure after failure, I too might also become a little bit bitter. I haven't been that long involved, but you have, Larry. So what is your thoughts? Well, I got to tell you, a lot of the bitter is the vitriol. I love that word, Scott, because it's so purposeful. It's perfect. Is unnecessary. It's not based on always seeing the failures, but it's based on what about me? What are you going to do for me? You want me to do for you? What are you going to do for me? And in a sense, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of the clubs. Hey, you want us to go and pay a few bucks to come to your game to support rugby and be all great rugby guys, but uh, what are you going to do for me? And the thing is, that's the attitude I see many of the clubs having. They can't have that. 
Okay. Right. It's a give and take thing. We support the pro team. Hey, you know what? Hey, pro team, Sabercats, how'd you like to have an open team here at Aviva Stadium before? Wow. What a deal. Right. So what you're saying is if we had more servants of rugby, we'd be in a different situation, right? Absolutely. So, you know, and, and right. sorry, I, just, I, I will, sorry, I'm going to interrupt right. Rob. Yeah, go ahead. Scott. But, but the, and I, maybe it's obvious to me having a little more inside knowledge, but I think some of these clubs have to realize again, going back to one of my points, if you have a roster and you're, you have 23 internationals on a roster, they don't live in the United States. So that's 23 guys that they could send to help out at practices at clubs they don't have. Then you have the high school teams who want to help. Then you have now your own pathway teams and, and your own um, uh, you know, under 20s that you need to help. So sometimes the resources are limited. And if you're in a market like New York, the guys who live in New York and play for Rooney have to have a full-time job. So they have a full-time job. Then they're trying to practice for Rooney. Then they're playing their own club season. How much time do they have have to give to another club who's asking for more and more and more? So I think that's another part yeah. that's, that they're not, they're not seeing. Uh, certainly oh. it's difficult in, in, in New York for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, uh, in, in other teams, like you said, they might have the ability to do so. And I imagine that that would then help the other clubs. So, yeah, there's, there's a good and a bad to that. I do recognize that. Rob? I want to get, make sure you yeah. get a chance to speak. I've, I've talked to some folks here in Chicago that have been really plugged into uh, trying to get an MLR franchise here. And one of the things I've always harped upon is if you, due to the tribalism, if you want to overcome that hurdle, one of the first things that you have to do as an MLR prospective MLR team is to, when you reach out to those clubs, is to tell them right off the bat, answer the question before they can ask it. Here's what we're going to do for you. You know the question is right. going to come. Right. So have an answer ready. Here's how we're going to help you. Here's how having us benefit you, because here's what clubs are thinking, especially in Chicago. It's D1 clubs like the Lions and the Griffins. You're going to be taking some of our talent away from us. So what are they going to get in return if we help if, if you know, we help give you and prepare guys to play you know, in your MLR program, what are we going to get in return? It's a reasonable question, but I think you can address it by having a reasonable answer or a set of reasonable answers prepared ahead of time. Right. And, so the best is beneficial, of course. Sorry, Larry, continue. Yeah, sorry. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, and Rob, those reasonable answers don't have to be grandiose ones. No. Okay? As long as you have it and you stick to it, small, that's fine. I think clubs will accept that because then they have that expectation. Oh, and I think they'll be very thankful for it as well. What do you think? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, something as simple as providing low cost tickets or get, you know, even for every one of their academy kids, you know, under 16, giving them, you know, 15 tickets, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be in primo seating, but get those kids in, in the seats. Well, of course, they're going to bring parents who are going to pay a, a regular fare ticket, right? And you, or you offer them lower cost. That can be something that not only boosts your bottom line and puts asses in seats, but it also develops a lot of goodwill and faith with those. Programs. So ultimately, before you even try and begin the journey of, of developing an MLR club, you need to be able to engage your local rugby community and get them involved. So That's that right. should absolutely be the most important mm -hmm. element because mm -hmm. without community, there is nothing, right? Rugby brings people together. If you've right. got no one to come together, you've got no rugby. So I've always said at the middle, of the first people that you're going to get and try to attract are rugby people. They're in the middle. If you can't get them, you won't get anybody else. Okay. So here's the question. Now we've boiled down to one of the most important elements of this topic over here. Are 
or is the MLR doing enough to engage the rugby community at large? Not only at the highest levels, not only select parts of that community that are already engaged in rugby. Short answer, yes or no, from each of you. Start with Rob. Yes, and uh, Nola Nola's a great example. Okay, that was a little bit more, but it was okay. <laughs> Scott, yes or no? And we'll- Questionable. Questionable. All right. That brings that into the next segue, which will be that one. But we're going to hand it over to Larry. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. That is the round where we talk about the bad. We'll be back after the short break to talk about the questionable. So stick around. You'll learn more here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Welcome back, Rugby Rant fans. Of course, you are watching the show where we put these gentlemen to the test in this rugby debate show where we will crown a winner at the end of this round. But before we jump into this one to talk about the questionable when it comes to Major League Rugby, I wanted to stop and thank our sponsors on board who have enjoyed supporting us. We enjoy supporting them. And they are, of course, supporting the MLR. And you as the fan is the RugbyShop.com, who are the official merch partners of major league rugby you can see they have our gear over there for the rugby ranch shirt you got the dallas jackals on that side they have the saber cats gear as well not that one but they've got other stuff right and uh, of course the toronto arrows representing all the way in canada gotta make sure we hit every single one um but they really have been a truly awesome partner uh, helping us reach our goals on the show to be able to create more fans for rugby. And that's what we're all about, gentlemen. Yep. And how we do that is by sharing the message. Right. So, and, and by the way, Larry, I got to tell you, I've got the Houston Sabercats training shirt, and it's a Sabercats in the middle of the back. It, it's one of the one of my favorite training shirts in the league. It's really sharp. Right, from the rugby shop. Nice yeah. From so the rugby shop, yeah. That, Rob. Good deal. Now, will you wear that to a gold game? Uh No. <laughs> hey, look, the gold, the, the folks in NOLA have been absolutely uh tremendously generous with me. And so um they're they're I'm gonna back them 110 all the time. But <laughs> all right, right. Well, I do you. wear the Houston stuff too. <laughs> it's well, another do you part. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, let's get back on topic over here as we turn our attention back to Major League Rugby. We first took the opportunity in round one to talk about all the good aspects that has led to where they are here today. We then spoke about some of the bad, which we recognize is important, uh, but of course, many truths that come to be uh, a favorable in that regard. But now we need to talk about some of the question marks whether it be important to about the fans or about the league structure, about the finances. Let's find out what these gentlemen have to be able to share. And to start this round, we're going to hand it over to our guest, Larry Monks. Tell us what you got to share. Coming to you from Houston, I got to tell you, (laughs) the most important thing that I see is we have to be able to attract the biggest advertisers, okay? Can we do that? And the way we do that is getting people in. Can we get the people in? Then from there with the advertisers, then we could pay for it. MLR could pay for the production of having more games on. And the thing is, is that we still have to educate those who don't know anything about rugby. I tell you, you know what I hear all the time? We even had a television crew come out, uh, a television uh, program, and they came out. They had the two uh, anchors there, and the first thing they started talking about is, we don't know what's going on here, but it seems like fun. (laughs) <laughs> exactly well, what you want to hear make right? sure they know what's going on and that's the thing so and it's it's something we can educate 
the viewer on where they don't have to say, well, I don't know what rugby is. I hear that a lot from non-rugby Americans. I don't know anything about rugby. And I said, you know, I didn't (laughs) Well, then come out. I said, do you like football? Yeah. Would you like to see football where everybody could score and everybody gets to run and it goes much faster and there's five times the tackle and they're not wearing any pads? And I like saying this to the ladies. Have you ever seen a team, a pro rugby team, let me tell you something. And by the way, I got to tell you, I work with a young lady who worked for KHOU TV. I shouldn't have said that, but I did. And she told me, oh, my gosh, those rugby guys. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. And she goes, no, I mean the pro ones. And I said, yeah, yeah, those guys. But the thing is, is that use that. Use that where you got a bunch of great hot rugby guys to get the women out there who don't know anything about rugby. But the thing is, we need to be able to get past the current rugby niche market and get it into the regular American. And I question, can we do that? And I'm at five right. seconds. Okay. So I love how he's actually got a timer. He's actually he got, got a timer. Right. It's called cheating. Show, and maybe even including the hosts uh, that, that are consistently always tracking their time. I love it. Okay. But let's, let's rewind a little bit. So you packed a lot of good stuff inside there. The big question mark is, can they engage uh, a, a wider audience? Can they look at getting more sponsorships? Can they increase the level of education towards rugby with the general population in the U.S.? And, of course, we extend that to Canada as well. So, yeah, I mean, really a lot of question marks. But let's, let's take a closer look. Sponsorships. So sponsorships is certainly not where it should be. You spoke about broadcast. Well, that happens to be the largest expense, or at least among the largest operating expenses. We could expect it being north of two and a half million. It's only an expense because ESPN isn't paying for the rights. CBS isn't paying for the rights, right? It's an expense to the league. So they offset those costs traditionally with sponsorships. Yes, they do need to get more greater commitments from sponsors that is a question mark i definitely definitely recognize that in fact we spoke about that a few episodes ago when we spoke about the strength of the revenue streams for major league rugby but i like it when you spoke about education so you know education is a is probably one of the most crucial things we spoke about engaging a rugby audience uh, building a community and that comes with a level of education give them access to the game allow them to experience it um, make it familiar. So those are all incredible points. I'm actually uh, uh, going to just open it to the floor. What do you think about what Larry said? Well, I, I, I'm going to open up by saying, you know, uh, kicking off with with uh, our, our bad, um, one of the things that, that we talked about was the fact that at your core, are your, you've got to win your rugby community over first when you develop a franchise. Those have got to be your core fans. Sure. And, and the next group out is the fans that are connected to a rugby fan, right? right. Somebody, you know, mother, father, sister, brother of a rugby player bringing them out, well, they have the advantage of having somebody explain the game to them, or they've probably been to a few games themselves. The question is, how do you go out to the next concentric circle outside of that? The group of people who are not connected with a rugby fan but and don't know anything about the game, how do you teach them the well, game? Well, that would have to be the media, right? Broadcast right. media has to play their part. I mean, it comes back to that there. Yes, it's a big expense to be able to broadcast these games. Has the quality of it gone up? Yes, I believe so. I think it's getting better and better each year. Uh, the rights to to where it's shown are, are broadening each year, you know, with, with popular CBS, uh, Fox Sport too. You know, you can go on. I guess it's just exposure. We need to get as many eyeballs as possible watching it. And then hopefully 
a large enough percentage of those would begin to go to think, okay, I now feel like I enjoy this product enough that I want to go and see it or I want to find a way to participate in it. Um, but you have to, if, you're, if your percentage is 1% uptake, that that happens, you got to hit an audience of 10 million to be able to get a million supporters, right? And consistently. And obviously, it's not even a percent. It's far, 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 far smaller than that. But yeah, it's an important point. So great job, Larry. Let's hand it over to Scott. As Nelly said, it's getting hot in her, baby. Um, <laughs> I think my my questionable is transparency, and it's it's two portions. It's one for the league and one for each individual team. Um, actually, you know, Larry talked about it with education. We haven't seen anything the MLR push as a league anything educational. They want to talk about being grassroots. The first thing they should have is a friggin' fifteen minute YouTube video about how rugby works. And they should be pushing that out on their social media constantly. They should be pushing that out through the CBS contract. They should be pushing it out through the Fox Sports uh, 2 contract. They should be pushing out through the ESPN Plus contract because we're paying for it anyway, right? So let's start pushing out as a league who's doing the broadcasting rights. Say, we're paying for it. This is what we want you to talk about as a quick thing on the bottom of the screen. So that way when people are at the bar at the pig and whistle, and even though they're at the rugby bar, they don't know what the MLR is. They can see that and go, huh? And most people will Google it on their phone. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, it, it, we're in that generation. Secondly is each team. I feel like sometimes teams are holding things too close to the vest. Now I'm th- not talking about signings, but just things like come out and say, we're having this event. Um, we did this event. There's pictures of us at this event and throw it out there, regardless of how many people showed up, we want that's another promise again that the teams had grassroots rugby. We want to show what's going on. Um, even if it's just, you know, for an individual team, I'm not saying tell details, but say we are in negotiations with several sponsors in these categories. That's all you need to say. Keep keep the hardcore fan informed that operations are going forward, that you are working. It's all about perception. Right now, if you're you're being quiet like the LA Guiltinis are, the perception is you're not doing anything. Us four know they're doing a ton of stuff, but to the casual fan, it seems as though they're not doing anything. Perception is the reality. Right. And and that that is the truth there. Perception is the reality. So I definitely agree. And, you know, much can be said for the same for anything in life, but it is so true. But I want to rewind to, to well, the point about education. So you said that, and, and help me understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So when you spoke about education, you said that the league isn't doing enough for like a rugby 101 style thing. I'd almost say that they are doing enough to be able to offer platforms or ways that they can be educated, but they're only for a certain percentage is already engaged in rugby, right? It's not engaging the casual fan. Is that more so what you're saying? Yeah. So what, what, I, what I'm saying is the individual teams have so much responsibility to do themselves, to push their team, to push their players, to push their academy. The league has to come and centralize that effort to get those casual fans. That's what the league should be doing. Okay. You know, so, so like when the NFL does the Only NFL play sixty, yeah, the reach. yeah. When the NFL does the NFL play sixty, it's not the Green Bay Packers. It's the NFL play sixty. It's their initiative, yeah. and then they get the teams right. to say we're doing this. So they they yeah. help the teams set up those initiatives. So they should be centralizing those efforts for grassroots, and then spreading it out to the teams. And what that does is that gives a little less reliability on the teams to try and spread themselves so thin on their administrative right. side. Right. And and I think to Scott's point. You know, you're seeing teams do it individually. You're just not seeing right. something done through the league. And I know that, uh, for example, Tim Falcon and, and down there, and, and again, I know I know Noel very well. Um, they're doing uh, rugby one on one online all the time. 
Um, and they're really pushing it through social media. But at, to Scott's point, it's not something that's funneled through the league. It's it's being left up to the to the clubs to to take care of. Right. And I can see your point there in that regard, because if you think of it as a franchise model, like any other business, you pay your franchise fees to the franchisor in order to be able to get the value of marketing, the resources right. they have available in operations, logistics, so on and so on. So it's usually a part of your franchise fees. And with the franchise fees being, uh, you know, confirmed at 10 million, you have a lot in, in, to be able to make available to efforts like this. So yes, people should first recognize or, or what you're saying is, let me drill back, take a step back here, that the league should take more of a key role in exposing people to the game, educating them about the game, and increasing the reach of the game in America. Yeah. Is that what Correct. it comes down to? Correct. And then the team's responsibility is their own team franchise to do that. So in so it should nationally their local audience. Their local nationally, the MLR should be pushing it to help every team. And then the, the local exposure should be on the team's shoulders. And again, it's all comes down to administrative and 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 time and how much time people have. And again, going back to some teams don't even have administrators in the country right now. Yeah, and that's a really great, fair point. I mean, we are in the most difficult times to be able to 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 conduct business, regardless. But if you, it's even harder if you are several continents away and several time zones apart. So yes, absolutely. Rob, let's see what you've got. My questionable is this week Guardian article by Martin. I think it's Pengeli um, came out and it threw a lot of shade at the MLR quite a bit. Um, it makes several accusations, uh, two of them being number one, that there's 20 million as a league, it's $20 million in debt and they're using franchise fees to cover for it. Um, which, you know, is heavy accusation. And to Scott's point earlier and one of the earlier, um, in his, in his, uh, bad, um, it's really throwing negativity towards a league that's in its fledgling point. My concern is here is I, and Aaron Castro talked about it in social media. I think they expected this. So I don't, I don't know what the shade is all about. Right. I mean, the, the um, major league soccer started much the same way. Right. But here it is 20 years later, it's still around, it's producing a product and it's working on um, a TV deal right now. Right. Uh, the other piece that they were throwing shade at is the, the concern that um, and the danger of having two owners control the league. And we're talking about Adam Gilchrist with the Giltinis and, and um, the Gilgronis, and then Eric Anderson associated with the Free Jacks. And they're talking about that those guys actually negotiated a deal where they can actually help bail out the clubs who need some loans. And in return, they get a percentage up to 25% of the um, ownership rights in that, in that uh, team. And they don't have to report that to the, that to the other owners. And so there's some real concerns there that there's some kind of behind, behind the scenes uh, dealings going on there that could lead to centralization of ownership. Okay. So let's, let's, let's stop on that last one because we hit that point. So for those of you that are listening and watching the rugby rant episode here, the article that Rob is referring to came out of the guardian from this rugby writer, Martin, and revealing from, from what his reports were and from his sources that essentially it alluded to the fact that what could happen in the future, because you've got such a heavy influence from these two, let's say, heavyweights in, in, in terms of what the money they can spend, could end up having a percentage up to 25% in every team. 
right? Right. Uh, would they end up eating each other? Would one end up having more than the other and therefore more sway in the conversation? Well, they apparently ha- would would end up saying, okay, well, you would have this, you would have this. There'd have to be almost be a division of the league if that were the case. So the big question is, what came to the article and sounds what you're referring to is could the league decisions be in the hands of two people alone down the line? That is a risk, right? If you continue doing it and will it happen? We don't know, but the, but the opportunity is there and the risk does exist if they can have up to 25% of every team and not have to divulge that information with the other owners, which could create even more uh, a, a lack of transparency is that a best, better way to describe it or the best way to describe it, Rob? Uh, absolutely. Okay, for sure. And But real quick, just go back to our interview with Alex uh, Magleby, mm-hmm. and, and he references the MLS and how at one point, I think there was 10 the teams owners, and three owners. That's it. Yeah, I can't even remember the name, but it was $250 million in debt. So here comes the other point, and I'm sure you were going to go down this road, Scott, is that this was always a part of the plan. If you had an expectation – by year four, to come out on top, you were already offering a, 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 a false prophecy, right? right? So on the back of that, also consider that you were struck by a, a COVID crisis that the entire world and every other rugby union was affected by, and of course, other sports, other businesses. So really, you have to be able to eliminate that factor. And even if you still took that factor away, they managed to be able to move into another season successfully by adding new teams. Now, here comes the other point. Are new teams generating some cash injection? Yes. How is that money being spent? We don't know that. But we have to imagine it is being spent on something worthwhile to grow. And that is what businesses do. They take whatever money they've got and they put it back in that business until they're comfortable and they can say, all right, we've now achieved our first milestone. MLR is not there yet. Is it on that path? I believe so. What do you gentlemen think? Absolutely. And and from what we have kind of gathered and talked about in previous episodes, that, that money and cash injection is is at that time, um, it, it was we were told that it was going into the development and pathway system. Well, guess what, guys? We're, yeah. seeing, we're seeing the fruits of that right now. Right. right? So exactly. I, I gotta think that whatever cash injection is happening is helping the growth of rugby. Uh, I love that. You know, that's what you need to spend it on. You need to spend that rugby money on more rugby. So good point. Larry? Yeah, and I got to tell you something. From that same article, uh, there was, uh, what's his name, uh, Paul Horgan uh-huh. of Global Rugby Ventures. And he he essentially says to the effect that uh, he doesn't think that it's as negative right. as what was portrayed earlier in the article. He says it's just the elevation of the next mm-hmm. iteration of the league. And so he's saying, look, Growing we're pains. going through the 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 fledgling growing pains of the league, and that's what's happening. You referenced the MLS, and not as bad as the MLS was at that time. And so, actually, I think we're all right. I think the league is all right, and I think the MLR is still poised to continue on yeah. positive growth. This is just on the point now, of, of the MLS. You know, we always go back to that as the, the the most logical comparison because it does have some of the similar beginnings. But one of those beginnings was actually brought up by Alex Magleby uh, on the interview we just hosted in Run Parcel Kick. Um, he spoke about when the MLS began their journey. They had one million kids who were participating in soccer. Rugby is not in that position, right? 
So it does, yes, have some of the same, uh, some of the comparisons are, are, are true, some of them aren't, right? So it's hard to be able to see between all of that. But, you know, I circle back around to something that Scott had said, is that it's a matter of perception, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are negative and you have been burned and you feel that you've been scorned, that article is most likely going to be generating that same emotion. So I would take everything that was said in that with a pinch of salt because I, I have and you have obviously firsthand experiences that speak of the opposite. But uh, it is a matter of perception. So in that regard, I'm going to hand it over to, to, uh, to Scott and tell us what you think about the perception of that, opt- uh, that article and how it might be received by those out there. Well, I think that goes back, obviously, to my bad. It's received, and we could see through the comments and through the commentary by people that it's a negative, you know, well, woe is the league and this, that, and the other thing. And I think seeing the continued operations of the league, and again, going back to my good, the season ticket offers being sent out, and then the recent news that the OGs have changed their stadium, which I feel is more along the lines of knowing that we had 3,500 people at Catholic University consistently for the two or three games we had. Plus we had almost that amount for some of our scrimmages. We can't socially distance that amount on that campus. We, they had, I feel like they knew they had to change this year going into 2021 saying, if we have to socially distance 3,500 people, we have to find a, a field that can hold a stadium that can hold 5,000 people. And yes, is it not in the city center of DC? No. Is it in Virginia uh, on the side, which is more west away from Maryland? Yes. And, and, and north and that northern area? Yes. But to me, that shows you that there's, there's ownership that's saying we're going to have a season in 2021. The operations are going to continue. And the way we can have fans in there, if they're allowed to have fans, is in a safe, socially distant way. If there, there was some forethought to it. So if they weren't thinking that way, then – the, the operations wouldn't be there. Then I'd be a little scared, you know? I mean, Rooney Rooney has has MCU Park, which I complain about being too big. But guess what? In 2021, it might really just be big size. enough for socially distancing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I didn't think about in January 2020. <laughs> yeah, no one did, right? <laughs> but yeah, fair points, gentlemen. So here we are. We've got the good, we've got the bad, and we've got the questionable. We now need to be able to take the opportunity to find out who is the winner of this round. And it has been a pretty interesting one. As you know, if you've been watching the Rugby Rant podcast show in the past, I like to be able to eliminate the uh, uh, the first person. And uh, that will be Scott on this occasion for receiving his <laughs> I just, yellow. I just like to point out. hammer on the, on the hot guy over there. I just <laughs> like to point out, Rob has won twice with yellow cards. I just want to point that out. Okay, but he didn't get any. Shows you how good I am. <laughs> okay, so you know what? I'm starting to question the person doing out these cards. I'm just saying. <laughs> but we have to put bed behind him when he's not listening. You know that's yeah. right. So, so definitely how you uh, you gain favor with the referee is by saying Marching that you're biased, right? <laughs> Marching back ten meters. Okay, so as as per usual, it comes down to to who we feel had the greatest point that resonated. Uh, there was a couple of moments in between that I mentally took a note, and uh, Rob, I'm going to hand this win to you. Boo. Hell yeah! I know that it's also going to piss off Scott. <laughs> you know what? 
I got to give him something because right now I'm I'm in the overall lead, so I'll give him this one. <laughs> oh, right. you're gonna go. Right. We got to keep your the generosity knows no bounds. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get any points for quoting Nelly. Nothing. <laughs> So, gentlemen, it has been a blast. We, of course, have spoken about the Major League Rugby, the good, the bad, and the questionable. But ultimately, the sentiment is is that everything is good. We enjoy looking forward to another great season. And as we look forward to that, make sure that you at home can do your part. Make sure that you go ahead, get those season tickets, find a way to be able to join one of the games at your local stadium, engage your local rugby community, bring a friend, do what you got to do and help us grow the sport we all love together because here on the Rugby Rant, we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time. And before we head out, I want to be able to hand the floor to somebody who's doing some great work himself down in Texas when it comes to growing the sport. So, Larry, your moment is here. Tell us what you're doing down there to help rugby grow. Well, I got to tell you something. I just took over as becoming the youth director for the Houston Youth Rugby Club, and that will be the only inner city rugby club that we have. Now, we do have some school rugby teams that are inner city, but it's going to be fantastic. Right now, we have seven middle school programs, okay? And then we also have, let's see, six middle school youth club programs, and then we have seven high school programs. And so it's really doing fairly well. But what's exciting about this is that the Houston Youth Rugby Club is coming out with a development where we had somebody from the Parks Department said, hey, I tell you what, we're going to give you some pitches. Not one, not two, three pitches, which is really exciting. And you know what? We're going to have three to 400 kids that we want you to be able to handle and teaching them how to do tag rugby. And so first it was how many? What? So these are after school. Now, the interesting thing about this is these are um, of a certain minority base, which I think is fascinating. So we're hitting a whole new market in doing this. And for that, we're excited. And so we've already spoken to uh, the president. I've already spoken to the president of the Sabercats. And JT Onyet said, yeah, we're interested in working with you. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can develop from these three to 400 youth. We're talking elementary-based youth getting them to play tag rugby, and then from there forming a full club amongst them within a year and then keep building that up. And, of course, what does that mean for our local Houston Sabercats team? Well, if we have three to 400 kids playing, let's just say let's get 200 who want to go to a Sabercats game. We get that and one of their parents, you see what I mean? So it's really good for promoting the team, promoting the sport, promoting the MLR, everything all the way across the board. That's what's going on down in Houston. So Houston uh, Athletic Rugby Club is doing this with youth rugby along with the Houston Sabercats. So Houston does not have a problem. That's what we gather. <laughs> we don't have a problem. We don't have a problem. It has a rugby problem and it can't kick it. And that's okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get to that. It's, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. So, Larry, of course, uh, I, I'm sure I speak for the rest of the guys on this uh, podcast. Yeah. But what you are doing down there goes a long way to being able to bring youth rugby to, to fruition and, of course, create new rugby fans and continue building that rugby community. And that's exactly why we loved having you on our show. And I'm sure you'll be back at a later stage to be able to see if you can tackle these two one more time. But for now, we have to be able to take an opportunity to be able to thank you as our viewer for tuning in to this episode of the Rugby Rant. And you can like 
follow and share this with your rugby pals to be able to continue sharing our message to create more fans for the game that we love. And on behalf of myself, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, Rob Hammerschmidt, and of course, Larry Monkson, our sponsor at therugbyshop.com. Thank you for watching the Rugby Rat Podcast Show. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.